Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, why? 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 As you read through the catechism, there are just so many questions. Why? What? How? And that is good. God doesn't want us to, and the church certainly does not want us to, just parrot the things that we have been taught. We ought not to just repeat unthinkingly. We need to ask the questions. We need, in faith, to seek understanding. And we should not settle for the answer because. Because that's the way we've always done things. Because that's the way we've always said things. What we need is the attitude of the Bereans. Show me from the Word. Because the Word of God, the Scripture, is the only infallible rule for faith and life. And so, the question and answer that we have before us this morning begins well. Why? Why is there added this phrase, he descended into hell? For the better part of 2,000 years, the church Catholic has confessed this biblical truth. And yet, Throughout the centuries, time after time, the question has been raised, why is this phrase here and what does it mean? Now, the Church of Rome and many other churches with her understand this phrase in the creed to speak of the harrowing of hell. And they take the reference of the Apostle Peter about Jesus and the Spirit going to to preach to the spirits who were in prison. And they say, what happened is this, that Jesus died, and then he went down to Sheol, to Hades, and he proclaimed his victory. And down there in Sheol and Hades, there, was, there were two sections, the section of the, the, the godless and the section of the, the Old Testament saints. And, and when he died and, and, and went down to hell, he declared his victory, he opened up the gates of hell, he led the Old Testament saints out of there and up into heaven. Very exciting and very uh, dramatic, but no biblical basis. And there are many evidences from Scripture which we can bring to bear here. The main one is this, Jesus said to the thief on the cross, today, today, you will be with me in paradise. Jesus did not anticipate a three-day journey into hell. When he died, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And so the scripture teaches that when the body of our Lord died, his soul went up to God, not down to hell. And so you run across this idea of the harrowing of hell as you search the internet and you look at certain commentaries, whether Romanist or sometimes even evangelical. But it's not scriptural. So what does the phrase mean then? Well, well, some say, well, it just means dead and buried. It means that he went down into the grave and stayed buried. But if that's the case, then it's repetition, because we, we look at the Apostles' Creed there in Lord's Day 7, and if descended into hell means dead and buried, then we're confessing this. He suffered under Pontius Pilate. He was crucified, dead and buried. He was dead and buried. That doesn't make a lot of sense. That's needless repetition. 
And if that's the case, we can just simply take this phrase out of the creed. It doesn't serve any purpose. Now, the reformed understanding of this phrase is this, that this phrase is confessing the totality of Christ's suffering. Now, our Presbyterian brothers and sisters in their confessions, they emphasize the totality of the physical suffering of our Lord. And so the Westminster Standards speak about this phrase saying this, it means that he continued in the state of the dead and under the power of death till the third day. That's the totality and the end of his physical suffering. And our continental reform confessions emphasize the other side of the same coin, the totality of the travail of his soul. As the creed goes through the mighty acts of Christ in his humiliation, it first confesses what Scripture teaches us about what he endured in the sight of man. His humiliation, his physical suffering, and every stage of his life, right up to where he, the point where he suffered the wages of sin, the curse of God upon sinners, the separation of body and soul in death, the return of the body to the earth, which is an act of uncreation. You remember Adam being brought out of the earth and then God breathing life into him, death is the undoing of that. And that's what sin brings. Sin perverts creation. Sin twists creation. And in the end, ultimately, sin seeks the undoing of creation. And so that is all laid out in those phrases leading up to this phrase that we have before us this morning. But there is more. There is more to Christ's suffering than this. Others have suffered. Others have been crucified. Others have died. Others have been buried. But only Christ in all these things descended into hell. The greater part of his suffering could not be seen. Because it was suffering in his soul. And that's why if you, if you think of a movie like The Passion of Christ, such a movie is just a waste of time. Because all it can do is show the physical suffering and the physical agony. But there's so much more going on on the cross. The phrase descended into hell sums up Christ's whole life of suffering, which came to a climax on the cross. It describes the unspeakable anguish, the pain, the terror, and the agony that Jesus suffered because he loves you. And so this is the confession of the Christian. And this is an important confession that we need to hold on to. In all of our sorrows, in all of our suffering, in all of our trials, in all of our temptations, Christ suffered hell in my place. Now, what is hell? Well, the Bible speaks about heaven for us human beings bound in the limits of space and time. The Bible describes heaven as being up in the heights 
of glory. And, and Jesus Christ, when he was resurrected, he ascended into heaven. And Stephen, when he was being martyred, he saw the heavens opened and Christ standing at the right hand of God. There is a physical location in the universe in some dimension, which is up for us in some way. And that's heaven. And that's where there is a real human being called Jesus Christ, true man and true God. That's up. And the lower you go, the further from God you get. And so returning to the earth is away from God, away from the light, away from the life, which is God. And the biblical picture of the deepest Sheol, the deepest Hades, the bottomless pit, the lake of fire, Gehenna, the outermost darkness, these are all pictures of the horror of an existence far from the presence of God's goodness and love. Only knowing God's righteous, burning anger and judgment upon sin. Now there is a physical place, hell. Jude speaks about it. Peter speaks about it in his second letter about the place where the fallen angels are kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. And according to the Bible's descriptions, the lowest, the farthest from God, the deepest part of the bottomless pit is most likely the very center of the earth. You can't get much deeper than that. So that would be the physical place of hell in the universe right now. But what makes hell, hell? It's not the location. It's not the location. Even heaven is not heaven because of the location. Heaven is heaven because God is there. If God would leave heaven and God would take up his residence in hell, then everything would be flipped. Then heaven would become hell because God is not present there in his love. And hell would become heaven. Because that's where God is in his love and his grace and his truth. So the essence of hell or heaven is whether God is present or not in his love, in his grace, and in all of his mercy and kindness. It's what you experience in that location which is important. Now, God is light, and the Bible describes hell as the outermost darkness. God is life. And the Bible describes hell as a never-ending death. God is love and communion. Hell is described in the Scriptures as the experience of infinite hatred of others and of self. A black hole of separation and loneliness. The Bible describes being with God, for instance, in Psalm 16, where David sings this way, "...in your presence there is fullness of joy." At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. That's what it's like to be with God. That's heaven. But being far from God's presence is the opposite. It is to be in the depth of despair, infinite, eternal, never-ending pain of body and soul. The Bible uses the idea of liquid fire to describe it because we know fire hurts and the worst possible fire you can imagine is fire which is liquid and you're immersed in it because every nerve ending of your body will be tortured. That is what Christ experienced. All of his life, 
during his childhood and his ministry, increasingly the splatters of this hell, increasingly descending into this hell. And on the cross, he was plunged to the very bottom of it. He couldn't go any lower. He couldn't get any further from God. It was impossible. Now, we can hardly imagine the excruciating agony of his physical suffering in our place. But we can't imagine at all the dark, gaping abyss of horror, which was the agony of his soul. He suffered on that cross. In those hours of darkness, he suffered an eternity of eternities, an infinity of infinities of the ultimate consequences of sin, separation from God. The Creator and the creation turned their backs on him, abandoned by all. In those hours of darkness, he suffered hell alone. He knew God in those moments, in those eternal moments. He knew God only in his burning wrath and righteous judgment. Now we confess that this is a great comfort. We confess that we can be assured and comforted in our greatest sorrows and temptations. That Jesus has suffered that for us so that we don't have to. But before I move on to expound more fully on that comfort, I want to address those who are either watching online or even those who might be here who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, who have not placed their trust in him. Perhaps you're even a member of the church. Perhaps you're a Christian by profession. But you love sin, and you're quite happy to lead a worldly life with a, a cover, a superficial level of Christianity. And you need to know that there are only two ways to live. In fact, there's only one way to live and many ways to die. Either you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you put your trust in Him, you believe in Him, you follow Him as your Lord, and then you know you know that he has done this for you. You know he has suffered this in your place. But if you do not believe, you can pretend to be a Christian as much as you want, but if you do not believe, then this is what awaits you. Every day, as Christians get closer to the glories of eternity in heaven, you get closer to the horrors of eternal hell. And if you're clinging to sin instead of clinging to Christ, you are a fool. And you must repent today. Because today is the time for repentance. Today is the day of salvation. But to you, beloved children of God, to you, congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, washed in the blood of the Savior, full of the Spirit of our Lord Jesus Christ, under the blessing of our Heavenly Father, united in faith as a body to the head, what comfort do we derive from this confession? Well, it's this. When we suffer, because we do, we suffer agony in body and soul, we have perspective. Does our suffering hurt? Yes, it does. Is it unbearable? Sometimes it is. And what can we do about it? We can meditate. 
when life hurts, when your soul hurts, when your mind hurts, when your body hurts. Use that. Don't waste it. Use it. Think about Jesus. Say, Lord, this hurts. And this is just a tiny drop. And Jesus, take my suffering, my agony right now, multiply it by infinity. That is what you felt for me. Try to process that, brother and sister. That the depth of our suffering, no matter how great, is but a pinprick compared to the agony that he suffered for us. Now, why would he choose to do that? Why did he do that? He didn't have to. We have to. We're sinners. We've got to deal with the consequences of sin. But he didn't have to. And yet he did. Because he loves you. He did it for you. He did it for me. Unworthy sinners. And so our suffering, brothers and sisters, should drive us to worship. And then there's more. When we suffer agony in body and soul, we know that these are not the signs of hell for us. You know, sometimes you might think that you're hurting bad in some way, physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, psychologically, you're hurting. And you think to yourself, God, have you given up on me? God, have you forgotten about me? God, have you abandoned me? Because that's what it feels like. And the confession of the church, of the truth of Scripture that he descended into hell, tells us that no matter how hard things get, the Father has never forsaken us. It is not a sign that he abandons us. It is not a sign that he withdraws his love and that he is only showing his anger. Even when we fall into the most terrible sins, we ought not to feel and understand that God has turned his back on us because Christ took it all. He took all the judgment. He suffered all the separation. He took upon himself all the wrath. He experienced all the infinite darkness and agony of hell, and there is none left for you. There's none left. Nothing. There's no abyss left for you to fall into. There's no pit of despair lurking ahead on the way of your life, waiting for you to be plunged into it. Christians can only fall up. Our sufferings are not a curse upon sin. Our sufferings are simply the consequences of us still living in a broken, fallen world which is waiting to be renewed. Our sufferings are simply the birth pangs of a new world. We pilgrimage forwards. We pilgrimage upwards through our sufferings every day, moving closer to the day when we will enter into his presence and live with him in eternal blessedness. And as we travel, the blessing of God is upon us. And the peace of God is in our hearts. And the everlasting arms of God are underneath us, lifting us up, carrying us through, and bringing us home. Jesus descended to the very depth of the abyss, and now 
He is exalted to the heights of glory. And Christian, in him, we also are lifted up. We are exalted in Christ. We are glorified in Christ. In Christ, we are seated even now in the heavenly places. He descended into hell that we may ascend into heaven. That is the teaching of Scripture. That is the confession of the church. And that is the gospel that God sets before us in the word and in the sacrament today. So let us, to the praise of God the Father, sing, Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Amen.